Four minutes past six o'clock, second of May. How you doing? SENZ, Louis and Kimpy here for one more day. And Kimpy, g'day to you. Tomorrow morning, they tell me that the Don returns. He is back, is he? They say. Is he dag? Is he dag? Yep, currently travelling. <laughs> <laughs> currently travelling. On the uh, on the aeroplane at the moment, I think I think he lands this morning. Actually, gets back to Aotearoa. So um, yeah, well he'll definitely be up. He'll be jet lagged. Uh, he'll be looking for something to do, and uh, hopefully he'll be tuning in tomorrow live with us to uh, give us a, I guess a little bit of taste of the south of France and and what he got up to. It looks uh, like a hell of a trip on the socials that he's posted over the last month, uh, everywhere from little Carcassonne and the big castle to the south of France and sitting on the beaches with Beaver. Uh, yeah, sipping on gin and juice Prince. and enjoying it. Enjoying, <laughs> enjoying the month off. Um, but yeah, it's been a big month, hasn't it? You know, without, uh, without the old mate here and lots to talk about, no doubt, when he gets back because uh, plenty plenty has hap- happened. Um, happen. I've got to say, Louis, overnight, plenty of news still coming out in in every sport. You've got the naming yeah. of the... Yeah. We've got the naming of the... Uh, I was just driving in this morning thinking, man, the World Cup soccer is just about to kick off as well for our under-20s and our ladies and, you know, uh, all the big wet races are just about to come up again. And then we're talking World Cup rugby, the big game on the weekend between the Chiefs and the Crusaders and who's got the 10 jersey and and so on. And then all of a sudden, Australia probably pushed their CEO out because he's not doing his job. Um, and uh, there's I even read this morning that they're talking about putting another NRL franchise down in Melbourne. I, like Every day there's something new going on. It's unbelievable. There is a there is a real glut of news on a Tuesday, Kimpy. You're right. So the thing for Izzy is, oh, I feel a little bit for him. He's going to get back and he's going to have to start doing his homework because he said to us he hasn't watched a lick of sport over the last month. So um, <laughs> tomorrow morning we've got some exciting stuff coming up. Actually, just before we get into anything, we've got to give a shout out and we'll do a couple of these. Jono Riddler, Swim the Golf. Remember we spoke to Jono... Yeah. Probably about three weeks ago. Well, he's been waiting for a, a, a block in the weather where he can get out there. He's activated. So I think from about 10 a.m. this morning with the Live Ocean crew supporting him, his, I think, 16-person strong team, he said to us, he's getting ready to swim the golf today for um, us to clean up our golf, the Hodaki Golf. He's starting out at Karaka Bay, which is a place that's sentimental to him. So shout out to you, Jono. All the best. Stay safe, mate, and I hope you can knock this off. And actually, speaking of Live Ocean, the support he's getting, Kempi, tomorrow morning, just after 7, it's a massive week for our sailors. Sail GP's final in San Fran, where they've been competing all season long for this. So Blair Chuk is going to join us after 7 tomorrow. Yeah, how good. How good. I'm excited about this. You know, it's a, a month uh, a month in the in the making where they go, go get together and and fight it out uh, on a level playing field too because it doesn't matter how many points they got to get there. It's now all scratch start and, and the best of – is it three races? I think it is. The final, yeah. Final best of three races to see who the who the best in the world is, and I look, I can't wait. I've um, been doing all my research on the on the GP sale this uh, sale GP this morning, and uh, look, it'd be nice to talk to to uh, the boys from from New Zealand. Just to, I guess they'd be a bit nervous. 
I guess they'd be a bit oh, nervous yeah. over there. Just you know, they've had to get over there and get themselves prepared and ready, and and know that uh, three races later that they're either going to be standing on the podium or or licking their wounds. And yeah, it'd be nice to talk talk to them tomorrow morning, seven o'clock. That's a good get. Yep, so Blair Chirk, that's tomorrow. So we'll get there tomorrow, looking forward to that, and we can ask Blair about his uh, relationship with Jono Riddler, and we'll, we'll actually be able to check in. I'm sure he's keeping up uh, very close contact with the team and how he is going. So looking forward to that. Uh, but before tomorrow, we obviously need to get through today, and, and actually, I'm loving today's show, Kempi. We've got a very interesting show blocked out. We're starting with... IndyCar after Scott McLaughlin got a win yesterday with Ed Spencer. Then, I know you're passionate about it, jumps racing. And jumps racing heads to the ball, which is the big carnival. And Sean, Sean Phelan, he's, a, he's been a, a well one of our top jumps jockeys for a long period of time now. So he's heading over there. Do you get into the ball carnival at Warner Bull? Well, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, Brett Scott's over there training for... Uh, a couple of Kiwis and, and no doubt that Sean will be riding one of those horses of John Wheeler's uh, in the big in the big race where, where Scotty's uh, Brett's over there doing that training for him so look it's a it's a big it's a big carnival I think there's like 50,000 people roll through it you know imagine yeah. imagine 50,000 people rolling through Ellerslie on a, <laughs> on, a, on a race day how crazy would that be you know look, one of the biggest festivals in the year um, so he's, he's head over there mate. He's, I think he's got a couple of good chances too by the sounds of it and of course when you go got wheels and uh, the jumps races you know that he knows how to get him get him prepared uh, so it'd be good to get some bully off him to see whether or not it's worth a punt exactly right uh, John Wheeler is the legend when it comes to this sort of thing so a bit of a Kiwi combination over there, Sean Phelan. Uh, after 8 o'clock, Ty Wynyard, who's, this is an incredible story. We know the name, very famous name. Well, Ty has signed a deal to leave the Canterbury Rams, which they're giving him their blessing, Judd Flavel and the team, and, and they're very stoked for him because he's off to play professional 3x3 basketball for the Shanghai Sharks for a quarter of a million bucks, Kempe. And... I was just doing a bit of research, and I've known a wee bit about this, of Ty's kind of hardships over the last few years after being a, a real star and one of our great prospects. You know, he went over to Kentucky and America, a big basketball school, and it just didn't quite pan out for him. And I didn't know the depths of where his mental health had got to, but for him to be able to be here now, about to embark on a journey of a lifetime for a, a lucrative deal as one of our basketball products, it's very cool. So I'm looking forward to this one after eight. Yeah, look, he's fought back, and he um, through that uh, state of depression, that, that uh, carrying of, I think his weight blew out to 150 kilos, and he's got himself back in shape. Um, the youngest, obviously, um, player ever, I think, to play for New Zealand when he got selected uh, while he was still in high school. And uh, now he finds himself with a contract heading over to play for Shanghai and in the three-on-three, three, which has absolutely taken the world by storm, a fast-paced uh, game, which he's he's obviously suited to, and and the talent scouts have spotted that. So I, I, I love those type of stories. I think, you know, when you can look at down at your contract and you go, well, man, I'm actually doing something that I love for the next few years and I'm going to go and enjoy myself. Uh, it'd be, be nice to hear... Uh, what sort of what sort of shape he's he's getting himself into to get, to go over there and attack that? So, yeah, uh, not, another nice get today. Talking basketball too, and and I think with the Canterbury Rams, they're on top of the table at the moment, so he's in good form.
Yeah, he is. He, I think he nearly dropped 30 points the other day. Mm. And, and the good news is there's so much hoops going on. Like Steph Curry put up a 50-piece yesterday How on the Sacramento Kings. Oh, mate. I mean, talk about legends. And I know you love this stuff. Like, there's a little bit of legacy on the line here. Steph Curry, LeBron. Nobody's going to say Steph Curry is the better NBA player overall. But this this matchup, Lakers versus Warriors, there's a little bit of legacy left on the line here for these guys. And... Oh, what a time of year. The NBA playoffs heating up. And then, Kimpy, we got a shout-out. And, and double eight, double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine, or 0800-150-811, the Kennard's High phone line. If you're around the Coromandel area, or you're up in that middle part of the North Island, the Bay of Plenty, I've, I've been keeping an eye on the weather, and there's this atmospheric river up above it. There's this band of water that's just being dumped with both pressures coming from each side of the island. And it's really tough stuff. So we said we were going to do it last week. We're doing it today. Phil Duncan's going to come on at about 20 to 9. I'm looking forward to this. I know you will be as well. Weatherwatch.co.nz and ruralweather.co.nz. He is on the pulse with this stuff. And we're just going to find out a little bit more what's going on with our climate and our weather because I know it's something that you're very curious about. Well, it is. You know, like I was, t- I was in a meeting last week in a board meeting and uh, we're talking about a stadium being built and just the water table and how how close to the top of the the um, the ground our water table actually is. It's something like 400 millimetres underneath, uh, un- underground. So any type of rain we get means that, you know, you, the stuff like infrastructure, people can't get out there and work because every time they go and put, a, uh, I guess, a bucket in the ground, all they're doing is just so... Um, working on Moving sogging it. ground, you know. So <laughs> yeah. it'd be really interesting to get the understanding from Phil on the, I guess the the outcome of of having such heavy rain and you know that what you, what you, the atmospheric river. So basically, what we've got up in the in the sky, how how I'm being told that this works is our our oceans and our river actually sit above us in the in the sky, and then when they dump, they dump. You know, like half a year's rain in in the space of a couple of hours, and and at the moment in New Zealand, as you saw yesterday, we had another few slips go down through the middle of the North Island. Roads have been closed, um, and it's a real scary time, I guess, going into winter. And for for Phil to come on and tell us about that, you know, for me, I've just got questions in my in my in my head, Louis, about what does winter sort of um, hold for us, and is this just the one off as far as the weather pattern goes, or is this what we're looking at for the future? You know, is this what we have to get ourselves ready for? So, can't wait for Phil to come on from weatherwatch.co.nz um, to tell us exactly what he thinks is is happening today. And that atmospheric river, it literally, looking at the uh, patterns and looking at the maps, it is like a skinny river. Like it really looks like it up above where we are in the atmosphere, and um, right over, kind of from Fitiunga all the way through there. Thames, that side of the Coromandel, down to kind of Whakatane out on the east there. So if you're around those regions, how are you going? Let us know, double eight, double three. And speaking of the temper te- bedpost text machine, Kempe, well, we've got something a little bit exciting to do, and we're going to start doing this probably for the next two weeks while we have these very good prizes to give away. So Chemist Warehouse, you know they're massive partners, are massive fans, and we're massive fans of their work. Well... We have some delightful Chemist Warehouse Mother's Day fragrance packs to give away over the next couple of weeks. And they're not cheap, by the way. We also find ourselves in one of our favourite months, New Zealand Music Month. You know we love paying homage to our Kiwi artists. So, we have got three very short snippets 
of a Kiwi song to play out today and each day for the next couple of weeks. And it'll, the songs will change daily. And we want you to name the song and artist and text it to double eight double three. You can have one guest per snippet, which we'll play at the start of each hour. So we'll do it at, you know, 10 past six, five past seven, five past eight. Those who correctly name the song and artist will go in the draw for the Chemist Warehouse fragrance and will announce the winner at the end of the show. Chemist Warehouse is the real house of fragrance and big brand fragrances this Mother's Day. So head in store or online to get involved. Or you can just try and guess is the first snippet. Hey yo, hey yo. Hey yo, hey yo. Got it. You reckon? I'll be, I'll be surprised if no one picks that one up. Hey yo, hey yo. Yep, that's enough. Don't give them too many more clues now, Neeps. <laughs> okay, double eight, double three. Start guessing. Artist and name a song. Double eight, double three. And uh, we'll be able to hook you up with this Chemist Warehouse fragrance. Mark's come through. Morning, lads, in Aroha. Living here in the Bay, and I can confirm it's wet. Has not stopped raining since Sunday afternoon. Don't think there'll be any golf on this week. <laughs> no, no, doesn't sound like it, Mark. Okay, well, there you go. So it's a big start to the show, Kempi, because we just set up everything up, really. we got heaps to get through, and I think it's 17 minutes past six. Where I really want to start is one of my favourite topics. Can't wait question of the day. You would have seen this news. I know, I know you would have seen this news. He's got the famous name. Josh Schuster has found himself in the naughty corner at Manly after a, a wee punch-up in training, which isn't something new. There's been plenty of those throughout the years, Hell hasn't there, no. Hell no. <laughs> it's not new at all, mate. It starts in the preseason, and if it ain't sorted, it'll go throughout the whole year, let me tell you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Josh Schuster's been caught up in a little bit of a punch-up, which stemmed – I've done some digging on this – it stemmed from dead a right. slap around the back of the head. A slap around the back of the head because of a bad haircut. Um, Josh Aloi, is that how, am I, is yep. that how you say his Aloy. name? Aloi. Yep. A slap around the back of the ears because of a bad haircut ended up in a brawl between um, Shu and Aloi, and he's now it was, at the it was actually corner. It was actually uh, the younger brother of uh, the kid Madison that plays with Parramatta. So Josh Schuster, Josh they've got this thing at, the, at Manly um, where you get a bad haircut and it's a tap behind the ears, and that basically says you've got a, a, ba- a, a bad haircut. It was actually um, – is it young Terry Madison – I can't remember the Madison kid's first name, but he plays for Parramatta. It was his younger brother, Josh Alloway, stepped in to stop it. Ah, that's right. Yes, Madison reacted badly in the pair exchange punches. Yes, no, you're right. Josh, I apologise to the Alloway family. Josh Alloway was peacemaker. So (laughs) there was a a clip around the back of the ears, and um, yeah, Josh Alloway had to get in and break it up. So he, he was actually playing Switzerland in the scenario. It all stemmed around a bad haircut, Kimpy, and you know I love this. <laughs> you know I love this because I've got a terrible haircut, and Neeps has had some terrible haircuts. You're the, you've got the best haircut of anyone I know. <laughs> Cut it out. It, uh, it passes, but I know where you're going with it, and I think it's a great question. 
Double A, double three. What are the worst haircuts going around in sport at the moment? What are, what are the worst haircuts? Who who needs a slap around the back of the ears for a terrible haircut? <laughs> am I am I allowed to am I allowed to just give one just to throw one out there? Because because I, I saw an uh, interview last night from a really good number ten in this country, D Mac, and, and <laughs> I got to say, D Mac, come on. You know, of out of all the haircuts, mate, there's a thousand of them too. Because, you know, if you the NRL, honestly, I reckon you could hold an awards for the worst haircut in the NRL, and and you and you'd nominate at least three players from each team to get in there. It'd be really hard to choose because there are so many. Remember the remember the hub, hubcap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, Pappenhausen, I see Pappenhausen sitting up in the box next to my mate Noel Green that works for the Storm nowadays, and I just think, Pat, like, what are we doing? Oh no, Joe Dirt. It's it's yeah, it's sort of taken to extremes, isn't it? The the way I think um, I think guys are like that, you know, because of the social media and that they like that shock type mentality. Whereas I'm going to just put this haircut out there and I and get myself some more followers on socials because I I can't see what else, why else they're doing it. Or double eight, double three. Any sport? What are the worst haircuts going around at the moment? I would love you to light the text machine up. Well, give us a call. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Any sport? Any sport? Maybe let's stay away from netball because none of us are qualified there. But um, double eight, double three. Come through. Let us know some of your worst haircuts in sport, and uh, we'll be back with you after this. Here with Chemist Warehouse, the text machine's been lit up. We've gone way too early, ne- easy neeps, but that's okay. Double eight, double three. A few of you are getting it right. You're all going in the draw. We'll have another chance for you to guess what song that was for our Chemist Warehouse fragrance. Next hour is 22 minutes past six. Now give us a call. Yes, that's right. 0800 150 811 for your chance to win a $50 TA, TAB bet uh, courtesy of uh, the TAB and uh, we've got plenty of blokes on the line today and I've had a look at it again for the last one before Izzy comes back tomorrow and ramps it up uh, it looks pretty easy so uh, we'll have a crack at it we've got Jade first up on the line morena Jade morena Kimpy hey man yeah I'm um, hey uh, let's have a let's have a crack at this what year did Steve Adams play for the Wellington Saints Mickey Mills old team. 2010. Ooh, tough Close. Very close. Thanks, Jade. Let's go to Richie in Upper Hutt. Richie, morning. Hey, Kim Pete. Hey, good, mate. What, what year did Steve Adams play for the Wellington Saints? Um, he got drafted 213, so probably go 11, 2011. Here you go. Bang. Who was the last team to hold the Warriors to nil in a game? The Roosters? <laughs> well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to give you one more crack. I mean, before the Roosters. <laughs> oh. nice. Well, you said it was an easy quiz. Yeah, nice try, though, Richie. Um, oh. We'll go Storm. No. Unlucky, Richie. Let's go to Hornet and Christchurch. Morning, John. G'day, Kimby. How are you, mate? I'm very good, mate. Uh, you've got Louis here too if you need a clue, so use him. Uh, who yeah, was let's the... have a clue, eh? Let's, okay. Yeah, let's have a clue. You seem like a GC, John. Oh. 
I'm not even going to get it. My arm there, I'm going to go... Uh, Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> well worked out, John. Well worked out. Good clue, Louis. Good clue. What you well, had... Don't let the bosses hear that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what year did uh, Jurgen Klopp begin coaching at Liverpool? Uh, I would say 2018, I guess. Ooh, here we go. To the, sorry, John. Uh, we're going down to this, this uh, wet and pretty pretty soaked Mark from Tauranga. Hey, Mark, how you going, mate? Who's here? Yep, got your umbrella ready for the golf today? Sounds like it's underwater too. Mate, I will not be going outside in, uh, in this uh, SHIT, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Hey, mate, what year did Jurgen Klopp begin coaching at Liverpool? Pretty sure it was 2015. Bang. What famous basketball player in American University did Ty Winyard attend? If you're listening to Louis, he, he threw that out this morning. Oh, this morning. Uh, was it Stanford? Oh, unlucky, Mark. Unlucky. You got a clue? Let's go to Brett and Huntley. Morena. You got a. You, you got a. Morena, bro. Morena, you got, you got one of those mains too, haven't you? Hey. <laughs> I wish. Oh, I'm not worthy of having one of those ones. <laughs> Mate, what famous basketball player in American University did Ty Winyard play for? Uh, Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, this is a layup for Brett. It of is. all people to get this question. Yes, and yep, well, he's consistent. Which NFL side with the first pick of the draft selected quarterback, Bryce Young? Uh, is Carolina? There you go, Mr. Brett. Fifty dollar bonus tier. We need all the help they can get. Pardon? What was that? <laughs> they need all the help they can get. The cats. <laughs> and we know about that. Are you talking about the Crusaders or Carolina? Oh, boom! <laughs> hey, actually, fair enough. Well done. Good on you. I was absolutely spewing and said some things that I'm glad no one else heard. But um, well done to the Chiefs. I, was, I see plenty from the stands. Hence why I sound like this. <laughs> yeah, 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 you sound like still on Mad Monday. What is it? Ch- ch- what, what, what are they called, Tuesday? <laughs> At least they can talk. He couldn't talk yesterday, but well done. That's a $50 bonus bet coming to your way, uh, courtesy of the TAB. We've got Love Racing coming up straight after this. SCNZ, we are three minutes away from 8 o'clock. Now, hopefully your morning is going super, everybody. Loveracing.nz, your home for thoroughbred racing. Some uh, nice racing over the weekend. We managed to declare aromatic nice and early in the week for punters, Kempi, which is a, yeah, a one good well feeling. Too. One well. Yeah, did win well. And at about 7.45-ish today, we're going to chat to Sean Phelan, who has, last year, he was our champion jumps jockey, and he had nine prestigious event, event wins, which was record-breaking. That was a really, really good year. But one thing he hasn't done is he hasn't raced or jumped in the Warrnambool Carnival, which is the big um, jumping carnival in Australia, and 50-odd thousand people, Kempi, as you said, turn up. So I think it's awesome that he's combining with John Wheeler's abacus on today in the steeplechase. So John Wheeler, for those that aren't aware, Kempi, is actually one of the most famous racing exports because of his work in the jumps game, and he's a legend over in Australia, isn't he? He, cer- he certainly is, and of course, Brett Scott, 
who probably uh, was one of our best jumps jockey ever, uh, works his own stables out there in Mornington and uh, is still associated with wheels. So that's where the horses all go and they'll be going to um, the ball today to make sure that they can try and pick up some of that uh, Australian cash uh, with uh, young feeling on top on on top of the the chances. So, mate, fifty thousand people, nothing better. That's it. Uh, they love it over there. There's flat racing as well um, in Warrnambool, so it's not all just about the jumps, but it really is a, a massive carnival. So, look, Sean Feeling will tell us why it's such a big deal, why he's wanted to do it, because apparently he's put himself on a diet. <laughs> to be able to and make it. And you don't see many uh, jump jockeys get on a diet because they can carry a little bit of weight. And what, what I'll do, because um, he's probably up, I'll give Brett um, Scott a bit of a, a message and say, what do, you, what do you like today? He might be able to tip some out for us. Yes. That's a very good call, Kempi. See if he can get some mail from the ground. Brad sending through his NBA tips. We'll get to those. And... Uh, Rob Valentini, the Brumbies loose forward, is a late nomination for one of the worst haircuts going around at the moment. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. We're shaping and building New Zealand. Stay around to try and guess our Kiwi song. Three minutes past seven, you're listening to SENZ. Hopefully your Tuesday is going well. Kempi and me flying as a duo for one more day until... Dagger. Daggy's back tomorrow morning uh, from Dagger his France, French, from his, yeah, that's right, that's right, the Savadag, he'll be back uh, tomorrow in his pool house, and we can't wait to catch up with Izzy, uh, we're going to talk some IndyCar in just a second, but this is important, we have some delightful Chemist Warehouse Mother's Day fragrance packs to give away in the next couple of weeks, and they're not cheap either, we also find ourselves in New Zealand Music Month, which you know we love here because we love to pay homage to our great Kiwi artists. So we have three very short snippets. We've already played one of a Kiwi song to play out today and each day moving forward. You can have one guest, one guess per snippet, which we'll play at the start of each hour. Those who can correctly name this song and the artist will go on the draw for the Chemist Warehouse Fragrance and we'll announce the winner at the end of the show. Chemist Warehouse is the real house of fragrance of... Real house of big brand fragrances, I should say, this Mother's Day. Head in store or online today. Here is the second snippet. <laughs> well, the first one didn't give it away. The second one certainly did. <laughs> double eight, double three. Double eight, double three. Start coming through and let us know what it is. Uh, it's a pretty iconic tune, isn't it, Gimby? Oh, it's a great tune. It's a great tune by a great Kiwi artist. And, uh, on, of course, it's Kiwi Music Month. So um, looking forward to listening to all those tunes being bowed out all month long. That's exactly right. And we might catch up with some of our legends. We did it last year and we had a whole lot of fun. Sean Phelan coming up um, a little bit later on in this hour. And then the next hour, Kempi, we're going to talk not just to Ty Winyard, but we're also going to talk to Phil Duncan from weatherwatch.co.au. NZ and ruralweather.co.nz because uh, parts of the north are still getting hammered and it's uh, it's a little bit disappointing. Yeah, it, look, it's incredibly warm too at the moment. Like I walked uh, my dog last night, just taking him out before putting him to bed, and um, man, it was warm. It was like you know, like a I don't know what do you call that, like a tropical breeze coming through, which is really surprising because last week it was freezing. Absolutely, you thought you thought winter was like finally here, and then. Like walking around and get up this morning, walking around in a singlet, you know, and got outside and it's still warm. So, yeah, the weather patterns at the moment, it's really confusing. 
We'll try and work it out with someone who knows a little bit more than me and you, even though we are amateur um, fans of this sort of thing anyway. Right now at six minutes past seven, uh, Red Bull's drivers already have a firm grip on the F1 title. We know this. But things over in the IndyCar in the States are a lot tighter. Scotty McLaughlin and Roman Grosjean went head-to-head in Alabama yesterday, exchanging the lead until our man, Scotty McLaughlin, pulled ahead with 19 laps to go and never looked back. Rojan goes way wide. Way wide. Oh, and almost comes back in. That turn five spot is a real handful for Grosjean. There's going to be a new race leader. His name is Scott McLaughlin. Scott McLaughlin wins at Baba Motorsports Park and makes it four different winners. <laughs> yeah, boy! Our man, Scotty McLaughlin, and our other man, Ed Spencer, is a feature writer for Total Motorsport and joins us this morning to recap, recap another thrilling weekend of IndyCar action at, uh, well, a track that Scott McLaughlin really just made his own. Ed, how you doing, my man? Good morning, chaps. How are we? Yeah, we're going well. And we're going well because our uh, compatriot put it together and it, it seems like they really nailed their game plan. Three pit stops and, well, it didn't look back at the end. No, it didn't. It was a good strategy by Penske to to keep get Scott in quick and make sure that he had fresh tyres and enough fuel to really attack Roman for the last stage of the race. And although Roman looks to have got it under control with that feisty move into the final corner, Scott really got his elbows out and... When Roman made the mistake, it was just the perfect opportunity to fell into his lap. And it's really what Scott needs after the disappointment of St. Petersburg. And it puts him in a good stead for the month of May, which is arguably IndyCar's showpiece event. Hey, morning, Ed. Thanks for joining us this morning uh, on the show. Scott McLaughlin and Scotty Dixon, mate, the Kiwis are going pretty well up there. Yeah, Kiwis are going well. I don't know how it happens, but every time they jump into an IndyCar, they're fast. And Scott's... Always been quick since he jumped in in 2020, 2021. Dixon is, of course, the legend of the series. And again, they're looking good bets for the Indy 500. It's just a case of how is the rest of the season going to go? Bear in mind, we have a new circuit coming up after Indianapolis, which is Detroit, which uses the old Formula One layer they used to use back in the 80s. So it's, it's very interesting to see them coming to play. Scott Dixon will probably be there, thereabouts. It would be wrong to rule that now. And McLaughlin is on a bit of a run of form after what I've said earlier, which was that disappointing St. Petersburg race. He puts a lot of pressure on himself, Scott McLaughlin, doesn't he? I think because he knows how good and how fast he is, he really has built himself up. And I, I know, I mean, I would consider what he's done already in India a success, but I, I think they probably think that he's he's a, a genuine title threat and he's not really going to be satisfied until he wins one. So... Is is that hard when you do that? I know the car's fast and going really well, but this is so competitive that the driving ranks seem so deep in IndyCar at the moment. It is a very competitive series. You know, you could pick 15, 20 drivers who could win a race. That's how good the series is and how it's seemingly got more competitive over time. I think Scott is hard on himself, but every driver's hard on himself. Every driver strives for perfection, and Scott is no different, particularly Cameron considering the fact that, you know, he was so used to success in Australia in the V8 supercars, he wanted to go over to IndyCar and really stamp his name down. And he's done it. He's done very well for himself, you know, particularly considering 
you know, it's such a different kettle of fish. You know, a V8 supercar is big and heavy, and IndyCar is quite light. You have to really fight with it a little bit more on the wet on the wet tracks. And I think he's done very well for himself. I don't think he can look back at his time and think, okay, that was a mistake. Okay, that was a bit of a failure. When, you know, he's been competitive ever since 2022, and he will only get better as time goes on. There's a reason why Penske wanted him in that car, wanted him full-time, and replaced him, replaced Helio Castroneves, who was a stalwart of that team. It, um, stopping, yeah, you know, pit stops, you know, he'd only stopped and pitted three times. Do you think his team nailed that strategy in around that? Yeah, got it perfect. Um, you know, Grosjean was under pressure from the same time the pace car went in. Penske got him in just the right time. They did. They got a free stop out of it, and it just went perfectly. So, hats off to Penske in getting the strategy perfect when it looked like the race was slipping away from them in the middle stages. But then, of course, the pace car, as it always does in most sport, it closed the gap right up, and that's you know, as well as Scotty's great driving, that was probably a key to his victory. They, he, I was reading that he's very happy with where they've got their Penske car at, uh, what are we, just under a month away from the Indy 500. It sounds like he's got it going very fast in the testing that they've done. But it's a, a it's a completely different ball game, the Indy 500, isn't it? I mean, you need a fast car, but you need a hell of a lot of luck. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. It's, you know, it's, two, it's a long race. You're practicing for a month as well. That's the other thing. You know, you're constantly finding you know, things wrong with a car and you're also trying to get to that limit. And if you don't have a car at, good car at Indy, you're, you're practically nowhere. You might as well, you know, chase for the top 10 points. And also there's, you know, there's the prestige of the Indy 500. You know, everyone who doesn't, everyone who works in motorsport and knows motorsport, even people who don't watch racing, they know the Indy 500. This is a race which you can really stamp your name down into mortality and Scott, like every one of those drivers, will desperately want to win this race. And you've got to say he has a very good chance, but you could argue that, as I say, 15 or 20 of them are in with a good chance of taking that ball ball the trade home. Just um, having a look at our, our other Kiwi there, Ed, um, who's going pretty, pretty good uh, with his racing, is... Uh, Marcus Armstrong, and he's going to get a crack at the 500. Um, did he do some serious work to get there? And uh, do you think he's got a chance at Alabama? I think he'll have a chance you know, going to the 500. I think, you know, with a rookie, it's always very daunting the 500 because it is so such a fast circuit. You're constantly on the edge for, for 200-odd laps. It's loads of drafting, loads of overtaking. You've got to keep your head down when cars are flying by because it's such a long race. Marcus has done very well since coming to IndyCar. He did, had a good race in Barber, got a trophy for biggest mover of the race, which he looked rather bewildered about because he was wondering why he was getting it. Um, but um, no, he's, he's, he's done well to life. Well, he started well to life in IndyCar, and I think he will do fine. I, he's already got that you know, that feeling of, okay, what can I do next? And, you know, if it if it doesn't happen for him on the ovals, well, when, when that will come, well, it's all about learning. You know, the IndyCar schedule is long enough for you to have time to really gain experience and gain confidence, particularly on ovals. 
Yeah, that's right. He, he seems like he's um, acclimated pretty well, though. And yeah, he did look surprised. You're right. He kind of looked like a stunned mullet a wee bit. Uh, meanwhile, over in the F1, um, Baku was a absolute clinic by the Red Bulls, but in particular, Checo. I, I'm curious, do you think that Christian Horner and Red Bull think that Checo could actually contend for a title or do they just give him his plaudits when he wins on these street circuits and really it's all about Max? I think they should seriously start thinking that Checo is going to win the cha- could win the championship. You know, at the moment, it's two all between him and Max. The gap is down to six in the championship. Max didn't look particularly comfortable at Baku. Checo looked pretty much on song once he got by. Charles in the sprint, and in the Grand Prix, he had that little bit of luck with the safety car coming out the right time for him, and it didn't come out the right time for Max. So regardless of what Horner thinks, he needs to start realising, I've got a potential title battle on my hands. You know, I've got two very good drivers. You know, the car is arguably the cream of the crop. Mercedes, Ferrari and Aston Martin aren't going to fight for the championship because they're, you know, they're in the fight for third. And he needs to seriously think, okay, how am I going to get these guys to race without crashing into each other? We all know how him, sorry, how Weber and Vettel got very nasty at times during their five years stint. He needs to make sure that Max and Checo doesn't end up ending still like that. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It, it will be an interesting battle. I do think we will have a title battle whether, you know, some people like it or not. Yeah, well, when, by some people you mean Christian. I, I, th- I think you're right. I think he's trying to talk it into existence that Chico is not a threat, but because he he doesn't want to have to deal with Max, and we've seen Max his attitude when things don't go his way. I mean, look at him with George Russell this weekend. He is he kid, you know. I, I won't say it, but you could say that he's petulant from time to time, and <laughs> and I, I don't know how well he'd take it if this keeps going. Uh, he, I did read that he was saying that when he gets into those some of those big race tracks and he can go faster into corners, he thinks that the season will balance out, and obviously there are more of those. So we're not saying that Max is in any trouble via Checo, right? We're just saying that there might be more of a tussle than Christian thinks he has. That's what I think as well. I think it will be close, but it won't be massively tight. There will be a sort of championship fight. And I think Max struggles a little bit on street circuits. You know, Singapore last year, he had a bit of a mess, had a bit of a mere weekend. Jeddah, he was hampered by the fact that he was starting from 15th. Baku, he didn't look particularly comfortable. And he did get a little bit hot under the collar. But I will say... In his defence, all racing drivers do get a bit hot-headed on the <laughs> race, and particularly when you've had contact on lap one. I think the way Max is approaching the races is he's more... He's not trying desperately to get, um, you know, a haul of points from taking that unnecessary risk. You mentioned it with the sprint. And I think Max is calculating, OK, what do I need to get? Do I need to be ahead of Checo all the time? Okay, if it means crashing the car, I'll probably just stay back, just take what I can get. It's a long season, bearing in mind we have 22 races, 23. Uh, it, it's it's interesting really to try and figure out what goes through his head or what goes through Chris's head. But I think yeah. there, is a, there is a risk, there is a risk. There will be a quite dramatic cycle ride.
No, well explained. Fair enough, Ed. Uh, lastly, we'll, we'll let you crack on with your evening, but is, um, is Fernando Alonso dating Taylor Swift? <laughs> um, I think you'll need to bring on uh, an editor of GQ uh, for that. Um, <laughs> it has been a bit of a, a long-running joke uh, in the F1 paddock. That he's but is it a joke? Is it? I don't know. I think, you know, he'll... <laughs> He's probably shaken off the rumours and he's probably also, <laughs> you know, he's finding several blank spaces in what may be true and <laughs> what may not be true. Uh, um, but I think we'll see. We, we may see some, maybe at Miami or Monaco, but I don't think it's, I think it's just a little bit of a joke that everyone's running with. I'd love nothing more to see T Swift turn up at Miami just to flame, just to fan the flames. It's just that was my favorite favorite story over the weekend that just kind of came out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, very good, Ed. Appreciate your time as always. We'll talk again about Indian F1. You do outstanding work, and we really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you very much, gents. Have a good rest of your day, and good good morning to everyone in New Zealand. That's all right, Ed Spencer, a feature writer for Total Motorsport. Kimpy, I don't know if you saw this, but I don't know where it came from. Rumours started circulating that Taylor Swift's latest romance is, yes, Fernando Alonso. And they asked Fernando about it, point blank, and he just kind of laughed and he said, I'm here to focus on Baku. And he didn't say <laughs> no, which he played his part beautifully. And now nobody really knows. And then they were throwing in all these Taylor Swift references during the commentary and it's just spiraled out of control. And Neeps puts a, put, puts a good point across. If Taylor Swift comes out with a new album shortly, all about love and, and all that sort of stuff, well, it's got to be true. It's got, it has to be true. What if she... Um, what if she covers that famous song by Tracy Chapman. <laughs> yeah, well, can she cover it as well as Tracy Chapman? <laughs> I doubt it, but what what about the subliminal messaging? I know. You've got a fast car. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be bad. 19 away from 7. Uh, anyone got any insight into the Taylor Swift, Fernando Alonso rumours? You've found the right radio show. Double eight double three or 0800 811 the Kennard's higher phone line. There are a few couple of good texts here from Jamie, Joe and the crew. We'll get to those in a wee bit, but we'll also hear what Kempy's got to say off the back fence. Here at the Chemisphere House, the real house of fragrance. The Back Fence with Tony Kemp. Well, 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 well. State of Origin is just around the corner, Louis. In fact, literally less than a month away. So now's the time to start dusting off your blues and your maroons and consider how your team will look come game one on the 31st of May. To be honest, the NRL season so far has absolutely dominated the fan experience in 2023. So I'm wondering, when Origin finally comes around, does it further convert disgruntled rugby union supporters. Supporters who are now disinterested in a game that is lacking both the excitement and the contest that we know that NRL delivers week in and week out. Apart from the game between the Crusaders and the Chiefs on the weekend, does anyone have that intense desire to switch on the box to watch a game that has basically created a massive handbook of rules which you need a degree to understand? So back to my point regarding Origin. Is this year's origin going to be more defining for that sports uh, stakeholder who tunes in than it has been in previous years? For me, the powers that govern rugby need to drastically design a more free-flowing, exciting game. A game that eradicates the endless stop-start performance we experience today. And if not, 
then the new crossover supporters will spend their viewing minutes supporting Origin, as well as the NRL, for many years to come. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Yes, yes it will. Imagine, Kempe, if 2022 Origin Series happened this year. The gap, the, the opportunity has never been more wide open, which is funny because it's a Rugby World Cup year and usually this is the one year of the four that rugby can really dominate. And you've mentioned this to me before. It's a Rugby World Cup year and somehow the the mind is wandering. And then you think about what uh, the state of origin has been able to do and how they've been, uh, sorry, the NRL has been able to do the way that they've been able to have this amazing parity in competition and give every team a chance. Last year, Queen, just to refresh it, Queensland won the first game 16-10 in a brutal, bloody affair. Then New South Wales sorted themselves out. Freddie got them up 44-12. You were thinking, gee whiz, Gee whiz, Queensland could be in trouble here if they put that together. And then that third game of State of Origin was one of the best games of sport I've ever seen any code, any sport, any continent, any time, 22-12. If they get half of that this year, there's going to be rugby fans licking their lips going, I know it's a Rugby World Cup year, but this is just blatantly the better product. And I've got to say, again on the weekend, I've noticed the crossover crowd. You know what I mean? Like the people that have just gone, well... It's actually better to come to a tribal atmosphere uh, with a crowd. And I'll just give you the average ground crowd of the NRL, 40,000, obviously, Brisbane on Friday night. Like, that's you can't compete with that. But the average ground crowd, so people that actually go to the game, is sure. 20,000 across the NRL in the first nine rounds. And that is phenomenal, given the fact Very that good. they can actually watch that on Sky as well. So if you've got 20,000 people average going to games, imagine how many people are actually watching it, which means that there's a big crossover crowd. And in, and for me in a World Cup year, the opportunities that they're missing in Rugby Union to promote their game, is uh, it's abundant. Like, I'll tell you, one of the socials I, I watched yesterday was a, a, uh, a podcast with Aaron Smith on it, with Nuggie on it. Well. Yep. They had Nuggie, so you'd think Nuggie this year would be promoting the World Cup. It's all about the World Cup. This was a rugby league podcast about which players in rugby league would be great at rugby <laughs> union. <laughs> and, oh. and that's why I wrote my off the back fence, because I went, well, if you've got your All Blacks talking about rugby league in a World Cup year, what are NZR doing to promote rugby union in this country, which means we're missing opportunities to hold their own podcast to say, this is probably the biggest year that we've got in rugby coming up because we need to go up there and get through the rounds against Ireland and France to win the World Cup. How good would that be if we could do that? And I just think that at the moment, you've got people sitting on the fence going, well, if they don't hurry up and get their act together, rugby league and Volandis and Abdo at the moment, even talking about this 18th team coming in franchise, mate, they've got, they've got media content and rights and people's uh, choice of sport in the palm of their hands. And rugby for me, needs to hurry up and get something done. Yeah, and it's not for us right now to try and uh, dissect and, well, figure out exactly the plethora of rugby's issues and, and what's wrong with the game. The, the, the cold hard fact is what the point, I guess. 8,700 people was the official crowd number on Friday night and what I've been told wasn't a terrible night in Wellington for the second place team versus the fourth Brumbies, Hurricanes, 8,700. You're telling me the average game, not the biggest game, the average game is 20,000? 20,000, so they've averaged the numbers out across the first eight, nine rounds, it's 20,000. 
Wow. I mean, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Seriously, it's, it's gone from strength to strength. Bums on seats, and yeah, back to your, your initial question, Kempi. Will State of Origin widen the gap? Well, I can't see how it won't. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Twenty-seven from eight o'clock. What do you think? Double eight, double three. Are you going to be more interested in the, in the state of origin than ever before because of the way rugby is turning you off? Give us a call. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Let's get some headlines with Joe. Thanks to Kenard Tires. Two easy weekend. After the Warriors Game 7 win yesterday, the conference semi-finals are set and they continue today with Boston playing host to the 76ers who expected to be without Joel and B due to a knee sprain he suffered in the first round against the Nets. There is optimis- However, there is optimism around the camp that he'll be fit and ready for Game 2. And with Man City holding a firm grip on top spot in the Premier League, many fans' attention will now turn to the bottom of the table as clubs fight to stay out of relegation. 19th place Leicester City are currently playing Everton, who are sitting uh, 16th place at the moment. However, they are far from safe from the relegation zone, with only two points separating these two teams on the table. It's currently one all after about 30 minutes of play. And the Black Caps will be looking to get on the board and get one up over Pakistan in their first in their five-match ODI series when they play them in Game 3 tomorrow night. Despite back-to-back losses, Rajan Ravindra seemed pretty upbeat speaking with media. The, the way we play is obviously very proud of the lads and uh, we, we talk about that as a team, being able to fight and adapt quickly and um, adjust to what they sort of bring out. And I think it was testament to the, the boys' resolve in the T20 series, being able to sort of come back from that and uh, really learn from the first sort of two games. And obviously the way like Chappie played and the way Daz has played the last first couple of games has been um, incredible. But yeah, I think every, every time poses a new challenge, it's been good to be able to uh, be close to them, even in those first two one days, being able to play a pretty good team in their own conditions and being able to compete is uh, pretty cool. Very good team, actually. And they've put up big scores. Daryl Mitchell, back-to-back centuries. Mm. I guess you just have to recalibrate what is a good score on these roads. So that third ODI is tomorrow night, 10pm. Kennard's hard, two easy weekend, two days higher for the price of one. Visit a branch today, T's and C's apply. Thank you, Joe. Hey, Kimpy, there's a text here from Jamie. Great show. I just looked at the magic ground in the NRL and Brisbane get their away game at home this week. Yeah. Unbelievable. It, honestly, the draw, um, and it has done for years, Jamie, like everyone talks about it. Unfortunately, the media rights in the Friday night games, the long turnaround, because it, it, it's set up for the Broncos, the competition, the way that you get a couple of extra days, you know, if they do have to go and play on a Sunday, so they get long turnarounds. Um, but Friday night, like when, you, when you're going through those averages in the – in the grounds, they don't just win the averages on a Friday night. They absolutely dominate the media rights, both at home where crowds go and watch them, and of course on the on the viewership. So, um, you know, that's why Magic Round is in Brisbane. You know, you got Magic Round up there. Yes, it's a home game for Brisbane, um, but you're not going to you're not going to turn the media people off. You know, that's why they pay billions of dollars to, to get NRL on here and, and one of them is because Brisbane continually send out the numbers year in, year out. Yeah, they, they definitely do. So just having a look at the Magic Round schedule, Kempe, uh, it's 6pm, oh, this is, all, this is all Australian time, so uh, Friday night games, 
Bulldogs, Raiders, then the Seagulls, the Broncos at eight local time, which is what you're saying, right in that primetime slot. I don't think we'll be mad, though. I mean, we we get, as Warriors fans, as far as a viewing schedule, we've got the 5 p.m. New Zealand time game, so 3 p.m. versus the Panthers, then the Sharks, Dolphins after that, which is it will be a great game, and then the Storm Rabbitohs. Actually, that Saturday slate is unbelievable. Warriors, Panthers, Sharks, Dolphins, Storm Rabbits. That's a great uh, trifecta, isn't it? I'd be I'd be surprised if the stadium isn't sold out. Both both uh, Friday night and Saturday, uh, Sunday with the Roosters and the uh, the Cowboys, the Titans, the Eels, and the and the Tigers and the Dragons. I think that Saturday slot, especially with the Dolphins playing in oh, the yeah. mid part with the Sharks, you know, and they got dudded on the weekend with a call from the referee, which Annesley's come out and said was wrong. You know, in that call, no one's come out and talked about Tedesco dropping that football. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's just. <laughs> You can talk about one, but you can't talk about the other. It's unbelievable. But I, I agree with you. I think the, the Warriors kicking off that uh, Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock uh, New Zealand time, the, the game, is, uh, mate, like I said, the Panthers, they're there for the taking. You know, the West Tigers showed that last week, and they've been scratchy. Whether They'll be there at the end of the year, but we've got a chance. We've definitely got a chance up there, I reckon, in front of a full um, a full house. Yep, fair enough. Hey, quickly, let's catch up. Uh, let's go down to the Carpety Coast and catch up with Zane, who's given us a call on the Kennard's Hour phone line. What do you got for us, Zane? Morning, boys. Hey, um, just on your point before about the, the NRL, the, the amount of people watching it versus rugby and the like. I mean, I grew up and played rugby my whole life. I was an absolute union nut. But these days, like, I just can't watch it anymore. And I think for me, one of the biggest, you know, the, the NZRU, they can't control the, the laws of the game, which is one of the big points that puts me off. But the second part of it is they... Um, Train the personality out of our rugby players at such a young age that by the time they get into the media, it's just a bore to watch. You know, I, I think the Australians do it really well, and like they let them have a bit of personality. And all of the like the Fox content around the game is just so much more engaging. But you try and watch it. I think we have some of the best commentators in the world in rugby union. But the guys around, and I won't ask you to comment because half of you your guys' colleagues, but they just, they're an absolute bore to listen to compared to what the Aussies are doing. Um, hey, Zane, I'm gonna, look, I come from your era. Like, I come from that thought where rugby union, I used to love it, you know, Clifton boys go up there and watch the game, some of the hardest men in town, and they had personality. You know what I mean? They, they had a ton of personality. Do you think, you know, I think if you try and pin a, um, a time when this changed. Do you think when they said that you can't actually like have a bit of a tussle in a game of rugby that it's actually when they started to turn this whole um, personality and drive it out of the game? Oh, I guess it's, it, it had to start. I mean, it didn't start when it first went um, professional because like, I love the Canes probably a through maybe the, I don't know, around 2010-ish, you know, and definitely sort of once they won it, I think it was a lot of the players sort of starting to jump franchises every five minutes and you realise there was actually no tribalism there, which is a bit of an odd one because you get that in the NRL as well. But it was around that time it really, you know, the media started getting behind it, the different sponsors getting in there. And I think they just turned it so vanilla that, you know, those panel shows, it's just like, my God, I'd rather eat dry wheat bits and listen to that. (laughs) Whereas I'll sit there and watch every show that Fox puts out, even though they annoy me. Guys like Paul Kent, but he's got a bit of personality about him, you know. So, and that's why, I like your um, your shows, Tony, mate. I'm not sort of jumping on, I can't think of the word. Like, you know, um, cutting 
Hey, jump on, remember. jump on, you, mate. I'll be happy. You, you get, you've got to put a personality, mate. You're like, you, you'll show, you know, you show your frustration. It might not be what everyone else wants to hear, but at least you've got a bit of, you know, an opinion. You say it with a bit of passion. And as a fan, that's all I want to hear, that you're supporting the, the sport that I follow with as much passion as I do. And that's why I love yeah. what the Warriors are doing this year, mate. Uh, yeah. it's, it, it's it's fair enough. Look, it's, we've got to move on, Zane. I'm not cutting you off, mate. We just need to get to Sean Phelan. But, look, I hear you call. There, there is a... I mean, Kempe and me have spoken about it at length before, the difference in New Zealand versus Australian personalities. But there is a, a real different way that the game is covered, the sport is actually covered in New Zealand. And it, it does have something to do with our identity. But, look, SENZ, Stay tuned. Is he going keep you for breakfast? Because you can just get the big man Tony Kemp with his nice haircut and big arms every morning, Zane. So <laughs> don't go anywhere. Sean Phelan, one of our best jumps jockeys up after this. Well, it's that time of year, really, isn't it? And to the joy of many punters around the country, jumps racing is back. And it all kicks off this week across the ditch with the Warrnambool Carnival. New Zealand's premier jumps jockey is Sean Phelan, and he'll let you know about it as well. He's made his way to the carnival for a few rides, and it's his first time in his esteemed career, which I actually couldn't believe. Uh, Sean's been good enough. He's up early for a sweat to take the call. Morning, mate. How you doing? Hey, mate. All good? Yeah. Uh, first time at Warnable, Sean. Oh, I, I couldn't believe this, because as I said, you're very esteemed. You seem to have done it all. Why have you never made the, the uh, great voyage across to Victoria before? Um, well, obviously, it's pretty early in the season, and um, usually I'm probably just too fat, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I've sort of, <laughs> more the last, the last couple of years, I've sort of watched the carnival and thought, you know, it's how big it's getting and... And how much of a like sort of a, a a big event it's become that that sort of during the summer I thought bugger I'm gonna try and get my weight down early this season and try and get over there for this one. Um, yeah, I've run in the in the Jericho Cup at the end of the season around Warrnambool a couple of times, but never yeah, never this carnival. You call yourself fat. Well, for context, <laughs> like most of us, we we know how small jockeys are. We, I've I've seen you. You're not a tiny bloke. Uh, by the way, Sean's a very good horse trainer as well. So you're a busy man. How, how, how what's your kind of walking weight, and what do you have to get yourself down to for uh, the jumps today? Um, well, I've got to be 64 tomorrow. <laughs> um, today, uh, 65 today. Um, during the off season this year, I would have been probably. 75. Oh, um, wow. You, get to, you do get to a point where you just go, shit, I don't think this is happening this year. Um, <laughs> this might be it. But um, oh, it's definitely, um, I, you know, you're listening to Michael McNair's interview a few guys the other day. It's definitely diet and exercise that um, if you keep chipping, it, chipping away at it, it do, like it does, it does come off. Yeah, it's, a, it's that wasting A feels, you know, like you've got to. You've got to really work hard of it. Um, I remember Scotty Brett Scott talking about that all the time because he was he was one of our our best uh, jump jockeys as well. Did you get a chance to catch up with him, or you obviously spend some time with him? Uh, Scotty, yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's obviously looking after this horse of um, of John Wheelers for us. He's he's training him over here. So yeah. he's he's pretty happy with him. Um, yeah, lots. Yeah, he was a, he was a great jump jockey, Brett Scotty. Um, he always sort of helps you out when you can, but yeah, he's probably a few years before before me. But I, I definitely can write, remember him riding as a kid. Yeah, 
Well, just on that, uh, Sean, like you you and there's a, a few of the, the crew that get around these days and we probably don't, like, yeah, she definitely don't get the recognition you deserve for kind of putting yourself in harm's way and, and also where, where it kind of sits as far as the picking order of, of racing and sport in the country. But have you always been a jumps racing fan? And like, can you give the listeners a bit of context about New Zealand's history? I assume we've always punched above our weight as far as jumps like we have in racing and sport in general. Um, yeah, like definitely, um, like our, our jumps, our jumpers are, are very competitive. Um, obviously that for Australia, like, you know, they want the New Zealand breed horses, just like how, you know, they do how well their horses do on the flat. They do exceptionally well over here on, over jumps because of the, um, the, um, the, they can stay. But, um, oh, I've sort of been jumps riding for a good 10 years now, um, when I sort of first started off, I was riding against Jonathan Riddell and uh, guys like Tommy Hazlitt and Isaac Lupton. And um, yeah, when you rode against Jonathan Riddell, you um, you didn't get much room. If you if you try to uh, <laughs> go up his inside, you um, found out what what an inside wing looked like real quickly. So um, it's um. It's a bit, it's a bit disheartening for me now. Like we've just let, we lack so many riders in New Zealand, and it's it's hard for you know like myself and Sean Fennan. You know we're sort of we're just sort of hoping someone there's a few people that can come through and sort of you know boost it up a bit because it is it is it is a bit disheartening when you've ridden against those top jockeys like that, and sort of now we're battling to find some numbers. Well, you're going to be able to scratch that itch this week, this week, mate, because you're really in the hub of it in Australasia. It's such a good week. It's so worth watching the Warnball Carnival and having a bet. What are some of your best chances or the horses you're excited to ride this week, Sean, that we can keep an eye out for? Um, well, they're not. Like, they're, just, they're just looking at them, really. They're just place chances. So um, probably depends on what the weather does, really, you know, um, if we get a bit of rain, it probably brings the you know, abacus into it a bit. Where he, you know, if if it's a wheels trained horse, it's gonna it's gonna need every every bit of the five thousand meters that they're going over for the annual. Um, the, the horse I'm riding in the hurdle race at um, in the Gullywood, it might be a good place bet. It's, it's had a couple of wins, uh, San Remo. So yeah, I'm just I'm just stoked to be over here and yeah, picked up some some rides. Uh, nice stuff, man. Well, it's good that you're living out your dream, and hopefully it, it might encourage some other Kiwis to pick it up in New Zealand. We'll talk to you throughout the jump season here, Sean, and um, we'll get a couple of winners for you as the winter progresses. Yeah, definitely. There you go. Sean Phelan, top jump jockey, good trainer, Kempi as well, uh, back here in New Zealand. We're seven away from eight. We're going to get back to some of these text messages on the rugby and what's going on versus league after this. We asked the question, Kempe, and bang, double eight, double three. A texter from Australia's coming. Morning, boys. Yep, I tried to get tickets for Saturday at Suncorp for Magic Round. Sold out. There you go. It's uh, another sellout up there in Brisbane, and it's not surprising, Louis. It's a big, it's a big round, and there are some really good games too. You know, um, given the given the context of the ladder at the moment. Should we do something on Thursday or Friday for Magic Round where we will have to do a magic trick? <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, those are, they're quite fun I don't mind that <laughs> Should we try and have to learn a magic trick? 
<laughs> I don't know how, whether it's going to be good radio, but we'll, uh, we're on one, camera. As he can do one, because he can disappear. Oh, I was going to say he, he might pull himself out of a hat and turn up tomorrow. <laughs> For anyone wondering what the science is, Kempi's just um, detached his thumb and put it back onto his finger. Magic tricks for Magic Round on SCNZ. Maybe that's our um, next segment towards the end of the week. And somebody's texted and said that they agree with the previous caller around the lacklustre media around rugby union in this country on TV. So um, Maddie Johns sets the standard this person says. Yeah, I think he does. And I think we've known that. So, look, there's more that we can do. There's more New Zealand rugby can do. But you've got SCNZ here all the way through the day from Izzy, Kempi, to Beave, Kirst in the evenings, and Ricardo, and Smithy, and Staffy, and myself sometimes. Gee, we're good. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together with Shaping Build in New Zealand. And Aroha. Four minutes past eight o'clock, second of May. Hopefully you are doing well. Second of May, gee, it feels a bit like duck shooting season, doesn't it? Wow, we got our rural catch up tomorrow, so. No idea what that is. Um, <laughs> is that your magic trick? <laughs> well, there, I'm just putting a few out there. Yeah, oh, something something out there. Uh, we got plenty going on, including Ty Wynyard coming up in just a second. couple of shout-outs we need to do. Jono Riddler, Swim the Gulf, Live Ocean. He's getting underway this morning. We spoke to him. He's literally swimming the Hodaki Gulf, starting at Karaka Bay this morning. Go to Live Ocean's Instagram page to follow along. We'll update you. And actually, speaking of Live Ocean, that is Blair Chuk and Peter Burling's charity. We'll catch up with Blair tomorrow morning at 7am to talk all things Sale GP. And also, Kempi, we have got an outstanding prize to give away. Chemist Warehouse's Mother's Day fragrance packs. They're not cheap, and it's New Zealand Music Month. So how are we giving these away? Every day we're going to give you three chances, three snippets of a New Zealand music, a New Zealand song. We need the name of the artist, and we need the name of the song Double eight, double three. Here is the third snippet today. Oh, oh. oh I mean, Kempi could probably wrap the rest. <laughs> oh, oh. Lots of people have got it already. Double eight, double three. You can come through. Who is that? What's the track? And you could be winning this Chemist Warehouse fragrance back. Chemist Warehouse, the real house of big brand fragrances. This Mother's Day, head in store or online today. But I'm excited for this chat, Kempi. Yeah, our Otago Nuggets may be undefeated, but the Canterbury Rams sit at the top of the Cells NBL table after beating the Southland Sharks on Friday night. Ty Winyard put on another clinic, scoring 28 points while also dominating the boards. And the Rams will soon be out. Uh, be without their big man, though, as he eyes a life-changing move to China in a couple of weeks to take up a very lucrative 3v3 um, times three contract with the Shanghai Sharks. Ty's on the line with us this morning to talk about the move and more. Morena Ty, how are you this morning, mate? Morning, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, mate. Look, as a Taranaki man myself, it was tough to see you move down to the Rams this season, but uh, it looks like you're thriving down there, mate. How, how have you liked the change of scenery? Yeah, no, loving it down in Christchurch. Um, yeah, they moved us, me and my family, both there, all down. So it's been, no, it's, it's been good. Yeah. 
It is. It is good. And by the way, Ty, we have had this before. It's Louis here, mate. We've had this before that basketballers are always the athletes that um, do comment on the early wake up for morning breakfast radio. So I appreciate you getting the getting getting up to, to take the call for us, mate. But pretty yeah. exciting t- time in your life. Um, well, you got the Rams firing on all cylinders, and you got a new journey on the horizon. Yeah, no, nah, definitely excited about everything ahead. Um, uh, gutted that I can't be staying with the Rams. Obviously, uh, the boys are just starting to get into it, and, and we're playing some great basketball together. So, yeah, a bit gutted about that, but it, it should be a good, good little experience for me to to get overseas and play some ball. Hey, Ty, so, so how did all this come about? Like, you know, we're um, China just looking out for athletes, and they your manager, they contact you, the manager, they throw a contract in front of you. Like, how did it actually all come about? Yeah, well, I was just kind of over at the Asia Cup, and um, I was just finished a, a, a game against China, and a few guys came out to me, and um, they were like, "Oh, well, would you like to play in the Super League?" And I had no idea what this was at the time, and um, so they kind of threw a threw a contact at me, and then um, later on we talked, and they gave me a contract, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay, this must be pretty real." <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. pretty re- pretty real, right? Well, you just hope that the checks the checks clear. Was that the first thing you ask? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a bit of the worry because eh? you never know with when you go over there. Like to make sure that everything's okay, you have to have lawyers look good and and all that. Obviously, whenever you're going overseas, just because it's it's not like I guess it's not it's not the same as over here. You know, um, a lot of people go over and they don't get paid or whatever it may be. So you have to really check and look into things before you head over. Whereabouts on your, in your basketball journey, Tyne? You've had a, a really interesting, I mean, you're still a young man, but you've had an interesting um, time in the kind of public eye so far. But the, whereabouts did the 3x3 come across your desk? And when did you get involved? Did, is that something you'd been playing in high school back in New Zealand or is it later in your career? Yeah, so I started way back in high school when we went to the under-18s uh, World Cup. I think I was like 16, and we won the World Cup in Hungary. Me, Matt Freeman, Sam Timmons, and uh, Nico McCulloch. And then since then, I played a couple more times at, and for the national team and that, and then and really enjoyed it, you know. So I think I've been playing for a long time, just off and on, and um, where I can around fives. So, yeah, a little while. Hey, Ty, it all, all hasn't been plain sailing for you, though, um, has it? You know, you went through a bit of a tough time. Uh, your weight sort of um, started to balloon out and, and you know, through through some some really dark um, parts of your life. Just just talk us through that and how you came out of it um, for our listeners. Yeah, well, I, was, I kind of just went into a bit of a hole after college. I didn't know what to kind of do with my life and whether whether I should keep following basketball and I took some time off for a couple of years and and I was just lucky enough to have a have a nice great partner in, in my partner at the moment and um my son who really supported me and my family that that supported me to get back on my feet and get back into basketball and and start enjoying playing again, you know. So I think that was the biggest thing is that I didn't really enjoy it anymore and I was kinda of over playing because I'd played so much basketball over the years from a young age and um, yeah I just I kind of fell out of love with the game but I'm glad to have found it again 
and be back in great shape. And it's easy to get in good shape when you enjoy what you're doing, you know. Was it a bit of a case of you, you kind of needed to realise that basketball wasn't everything in life and when your family came along it gave you a little bit more perspective? Yeah, exactly. I think I think that is a big part of it. Like, um, just just finding who I am outside of a basketball player. Like, mm. I kind of sat there and thought to myself, all I'm known as is this basketball player and what am I? You know, what do I enjoy? And and I, I didn't know. <laughs> so I kind of just, yeah, lost my way a little bit. But I think it was my own decision-making that led me down that path and and I believe in a little bit of um, everything happens for a reason, mm. and, and you go through experiences to kind of learn from them. And um, yeah, so I think I just went through all that so I could learn from it and know how not to put myself in that position again. So yeah, Kawaiyo, mate. Like, uh, just tell us a little bit about the the uh, the person away from the basketball court tied. Like, um, where were you brought up, and and what are your values? What are your family values? Yeah, I was brought up out west in Auckland and, uh, with my dad and Jason Winyard and my mum, Carmen. And we, obviously, he's a woodchopper, so I've been brought up about around winning my whole life. And, like, he's it's kind of been brought up around sport and that competitive nature throughout my whole my whole kind of upbringing. And I was travelling all the time when I was younger. And, um, oh, I've, yeah, I don't know. I'm still kind of figuring that out, the young side of me, because I think that a lot of it goes kind of, you forget about it, but um, I was was lucky enough to travel a lot with my family, and then now I guess it's like I'm a father, I enjoy all these other things I've caught, I I love taking my son out to do things, and I'm not just as basketball player, I think, as much, so yeah. Oh, it's, it's really cool, man. It's um, no, it's it's it's, a, it's well answered because it's it's not easy to talk about yourself all the time. So no, that's cool, Ty. Hey, yeah. funnily enough, especially in the pro- morning with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Fair enough. This is you probably never heard this before, and I'm not comparing you to a, a horse jockey at all. But funnily enough, we just had a bloke on the radio that's a jumps jockey, and he was just talking about losing. He used to get down to a certain weight to be able to ride. And we've, we hear, hear this from time to time about jockeys. When their weight is right, they can be more consistent in their performance. You know, they don't have to worry that their conditioning is the first thing that if they are consistent in their conditioning, then the kind of skill set comes after that. For yourself, like getting in condition, you've been playing unbelievable and you've picked up this contract. How much of that came down to your physical condition and just being able to trust your body? I think the majority of it, just because, like, um, when you're in good condition, you're less injury prone. You can move for longer and better, and and like um, the longevity of you being out on that court and providing high level basketball is uh, better than when you're carrying the weight. You know, some players uh, carry the weight better than others, but then they end up having to deal with different problems after the game, and then the next game that they have to play. Um, injuries flare up or they're sore or bits and pieces like that so I think a game of basketball carrying any excess weight like if you look I guess it really hurts you because like if you look at these guys in the NBA and you try to build your body like their body type because obviously that's the pinnacle of basketball you look at them and they have no body fat so I think 
that's kind of where the mould has to be, and that's why it helps so much with having low uh, low fat levels, yeah. And what about the um, the 3v3 game, uh, Toy? You know, like, do you think it'll continue to grow globally? Yeah, I definitely think it'll grow. Um, it's the only second year in the CBA League, and I think as soon as people and players all over the world start hearing about it, then it's actually an option to be able to play year-round through extreme basketball. I think that more people are going to get involved, and also having it in the Olympics, like in the Olympics last cycle, and then this, this cycle will have it again. So I think every country really wants to win a gold medal. So. Well, it's we can big, we can a big thing. win our medal. <laughs> oh, we can dream, man. Like we can only dream, and uh, I know that there are. We've been going pretty well on the three x three scene, and having you exposed to kind of a, a professional league like that, it's just going to be so good to bring the IP back back home. Hey, uh, last one before we let you crack on with your morning. Um, you just talk about players carrying their weight and uh, NBA. Well, Nikola Jokic, I just think he's a fascinating athlete. You look at you look at how he kind of moves, and he's obviously exceptionally skilled, but. Uh, he dunked the other day on the fast break. I don't know if you saw it, and he kind of barely got half a foot off the half a foot off the ground. It looked like he was going to fall over. I mean, what do you make of him as a kind of a two-time MVP and in another discussion? And and the Nuggets look unbelievable in the, against the Suns in that first game. Is he just a bit of like a an anomaly, a bit of a freak? Yeah, I guess like, it's like one of those guys that I said that carry their weight well. <laughs> um, he's he's a, uh, he's a bit different, you know, like. I think that he plays very skilled and, and patient, so he's not putting his body in those positions where he can get injured, and he knows that, I guess, he has to do that to continue playing for a long time. But I also think that, like, some people's body types just look like that. It doesn't matter what they do, and they um, mm. you can look at them and they, you can't see, I guess, what's actually under all that. But um, I think he's a real strong guy, his great footwork and, and and all the little tools and skills to be able to play the game well. So it's yeah, obviously he is a bit of an anomaly. But if you look at the majority of people, I think that they're all got like five or five to six body fat percentage, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the goal. And uh, hey, Ty, look, thanks a lot for joining us this morning and uh, making the effort to get out of uh, your your nice, comfortable bed to talk to me and Louis on uh, Is in Keeper for Breakfast. Mate, you, you get yourself back to bed. We wish you all the best uh, in the Super League up in China. Uh, we'll be definitely tuning in and uh, we'll get you back on the line once you're up there and just let us let us know what life's like up there later on, eh? Yeah, no, cheers. Thank you for that. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Cheers, Ty. There you go, Ty Winyard heading up to China for the Super League and the three v three basketball tour, um, mate. And he, you know, that, that comment that Ty makes in and around body fat, you know, the motivation to to to, to strip down and and I guess get some longevity out of the game uh, is so key in today's athlete. But also, I think the the message from him there was the love of the sport. You know, having mm. having to be that guy that travels around with your dad and, and always used to winning and, and being driven through that sports sector, it does get to you in the end. Um, but, mate, so happy that they've found, he's and, and him personally, he's found that love back and uh, that passion back there and going on. I, I, I reckon he'll be an absolute hit, Louis, in that Super League. Oh, I think he's, he's super reflective about himself and he's kind of, he's been through 
he's been through the darkness and he's just starting to come out the other side and the good things are starting to happen, you know? And, like, for him and his family, and kind of prioritising his family and doing that, getting a bit of perspective has clearly paid him back in spades and, you know, people believe in good karma or whatever. Um, I just think it's cool and oh, I really enjoyed that. It's a little bit of a more than an athlete chat on a Tuesday, Kippy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> exactly. It was that. And he was, um, you know, nice and, and forthcoming with the the uh, the conversation and around the places that he got himself into and and losing his passion for the sport and his love of the sport and you know um, and you hear this so often don't you when you've got such a good person standing next next to you and you've got the motivation of a young a young child that's looking up to you you know you become a mentor and a and a father figure you know he just wants to get out there and enjoy it so mate all the best to Ty Winyard on his on his next uh, next journey like it's been a fantastic journey so far I'm pretty sure there's plenty more chapters to write in Ty Winyard's book. That text comes straight through. Just a fantastic show and chat. Well done, Louis and Kempi. Well, well done to Ty Winyard, really. Picking up the phone nice and early to chat to us. And the good news is, guys, we've got a new team to support. The Shanghai Sharks. Who would have thought? Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Number one fans of the Shanghai Sharks. Yeah, that's right. Fins up. Fins up for the Sharks, <laughs> not the Marco. Sorry, Tasman. I do like Tasman. Little brothers. 20 minutes past 8 o'clock. Uh, actually, there's a text I need to read around the Chiefs at some stage, so I will get to that. Um, here with Kim's Warehouse, the Real House of Fragrance. Lots of people, Kempi, have got the song right. So anybody that got the song right will announce the name of the song and uh, announce the winner before the end of this hour as well. But you still got time to text. Can you give us it one more time, Neeps? That little snippet? Do you still have it loaded? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, and the artist is not T. Kemp. Well, it could be. <laughs> oh, I love that tune. Absolutely it's love a, it. It's an absolute banger. 20 minutes past eight, back in a sec. I didn't want to distort my vision to be living life to the full And I wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for you Yes, scribble Our man, Kempi 27 away from 9 o'clock New Zealand Music Month May, always a great month on the calendar And from that famous album The Crusader, 2003 Dreaming It's a good track, isn't it? Great track Great track from a great man Who's, uh you know, changed the face of music, I think, in New Zealand with uh, the way that he came on and hit the scene. So, um, I just love that song too. It's talking about, you know, all your dreams and living it out. And, and of course, we talk to a lot of people that are doing that on this show, Louis, which is a good start. Good start uh, on a Tuesday to, to get the Chemist Warehouse and their Mother's Day fragrance pack uh, giveaway uh, to one of our callers uh, today who've picked that. I think, Deeps, we've had plenty of people coming too, didn't we? Yeah, I, I'm surprised how many texts we got through. Everyone loves Scribe by the sounds of it. We had 13 votes today. It's going to run on for the next couple of weeks. Uh, did you have a winner, Neeps? Yes, I did. Uh, you've given me a number between 1 and 8. Oh, 1 and 13, sorry. I've, we've got number 8. So that winner is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Vaughan! Vaughan's won it. 
There you go, Vaughan. Congratulations, mate. You've picked up that prize fragrance pack valued at $100 uh, from the Chemist Warehouse, who's the real house of brand fragrance for this Mother's Day. Head in store online today, Louis. Yes, absolutely. And uh, good on you, Vaughan, as well as everybody that's had a crack at that. Uh, scribe, a guy that I'd actually be very curious into one day because he obviously had some serious indiscretions and brushes with the law and found himself down a, a dark path a dark uh, path with some drugs. But he is back making new music again and he's starting to repair some of those relationships. So uh, he is on that redemption path. Um, be curious to know what, what Scrub's next kind of year, 18 months looks like. But we'll play a New Zealand song every day for the next couple of weeks. Actually, we'll do it the whole month. We'll find you another... We'll find another prize after the Chemist Warehouse. Actually, Chemist Warehouse will probably... I don't want to speak for them. But we'll do some work on the back end. And Give we'll, Azman uh, a call. Give Azman a rav a call, mate. Um, yeah. Have a chat to them. I'm pretty sure they're listening this morning. They'll contact us and say, yeah, boys, okay, we'll throw in a, a few more little packs for you to give away. <laughs> we'll see. Chemist Warehouse, uh, great savings every day. By the way, uh, Morena, boys, did Bunty's fro get a mention this morning in Worst Haircuts? Well, I think... Marshy Bunty's fro is one of the better haircuts. I think so, Marshy. I think. I think. Look, I thought about Bunty straight away, but mate, given the given the fact that uh, it is nothing like Junior Bolo's um, hubcap, it's mate. It, it actually looks like a mate, like Conan's Conan the Barbarian's haircut <laughs> compared to that. <laughs> That's right. I like it. I like it. Uh, Joe says, "Boys, I used to have a bus driver with a comb over." He drove with the window open, and the few strands he had left must have been dry cream. Brill creamed, dry, that's called. Brill, Louis. Cr- Brill creamed Brill. is a hair product that the old man used to use. <laughs> Brill creamed as the wind used to stand his comb over up like a snake, like a sail. <laughs> so before gel, you know, before the yeah. gel, you know, um, and this is our fathers before us, they used to have this product. It was called Brill cream. And used to yeah. come in, I think it was a red, red container, and used to pull it off, and it was like a oil, a, like a oil moisturizer. That's the only thing, and it smelled. I've got to say, it smelled really good. I remember the old man on a Saturday night, Friday night, after getting home from the freezing works, and he'd get his you know best slacks on with the with the iron down the middle. That's it with the with the red with the red. I remember, I just so so remember it. And he'd sit in the ba- bathroom in front of the mirror and he'd run this cream through his hair, mate, and just it looked like Dallin Watini Zelezniak in a rainy day. That's exactly what ah, it looked like. Greasy, kind of like an oily, yeah, 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 like a stick yeah. of... Oh, oh, yeah, okay, brew cream, but there you go. Good on you, Joe. That's a nice text message about your bus driver. Uh, here's a text I need to get to. One-eyed Crusaders fan here. Well done to the Chiefs, and it was a great game. Only question is how much off the ball was left to go. You don't see that, but in many other games, the refs shut it down. I understand the niggle is part of the game plan, but surely it was excessive and should have been addressed. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think it was fair enough. They played hard. They played harder than us. They won the moments. We got a couple of bounces go the wrong way, and they were better. They had the last shot, and they won. And we had a scrum to, you know, dig our way out of it, and our forwards folded. So that's that. So I appreciate your text message, but I don't think we can um, blame any sort of off-the-ball niggle. Actually, if anything, rugby probably needs more of it. <laughs> 20, 20, 22 away from 9 o'clock. Phil Duncan from Weather Watch is going to come up. We're going to talk weather, Kempi, so you get all your questions ready and uh, all your curiosities about where we're seeing the, what we're seeing the climate do, because Phil Duncan's not far away. 
Yes, it's 8.43, and if you were hoping for the weather gods to smile upon the country after what has been a torrid start to the year already, I'm afraid you're out of luck. More heavy rainfall is expected over the coming days as a subtropical storm moves across the country. Gee, I sound like uh, Jim Hickey. We've been talking about getting a meteorologist on the show for a while, and we thought it was finally time to hit up Phil Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz and ruralweather.co.nz. He's on the line with us now. Morena, Phil, how are you? Oh, good morning. It's such an honour to be with Jim Hickey. Wow. <laughs> Don't worry, mate. The great, the great man from Taranaki. I flew in my private jet this morning. I uh, just thought I'd uh, catch up with you, Phil, about what's going on up there. This atmospheric river that's uh, crossing over the country at a great rate of knots. It's down at the Coromandel at the moment. Can you just fill us in a little bit about what that actually means for the listeners? So what we've got, um, it might be surprising, but actually this weather's mostly been caused by high pressure, not by low pressure. So there's an enormous area of high pressure east of the country over the Chatham Islands, and it's so big, it stretches all the way up to the Cook Islands and Tonga. And because of the anticyclonic uh, wind flow around it, that air, air that's sitting up around the Cook Islands and Tonga is being pulled down over us, and the high isn't moving. It's sort of like a roundabout. It's just parked there, and the air is going around and around and around. And so we're seeing day after day after day with the exact same or very similar weather set up. So the rain is sort of moving around back and forth around New Zealand uh, in the north and the west of both main islands. More to come over the next few days. And in fact, this high doesn't move away until Monday or Tuesday of next week. So it's certainly a very long-lasting system. Oh, wow. That that bloody anti-cyclonic wind flow, eh? Um, Now, Phil, how often are are people at the moment coming up to you? And since Cyclone Gabrielle and the the devastation we've seen, how often are you getting people coming up to you and saying, is this a sign of the times? Is this weather going to happen? Or is this just cyclical and, you know, we're due to have dry weather again in, say, two years' time? Is that how it works? Are people curious? Yeah, we have a lot of people asking this. Um, uh, the news media used to always put everything, um, you know, oh, this is climate change, this is climate change. And yes, to some degree it is, but that's just too simple of an answer. Like, there's got to be a reason why we're getting warmer weather. And like I said, there's a big high pressure zone that's stuck, it's stalled. By the way, next Wednesday, eight days from now, we've got a major cold blast by the looks of it coming in. So this is... Unusual and normal at the same time. The unusual part is just how prolonged this warm event is, and we just had one in April. So well above normal temperatures, that's unusual. But getting um, you know, tropical weather one week and then sub-Antarctic weather the next week, that's also very normal for the middle part of autumn. Hey, Phil, can you just talk to us a little bit about the water table and, and the amount of rain that we've had, obviously, through the summer leading into winter and what that actually means when you get a system like this and the panic that um, I guess all of our councils around uh, New Zealand and our, and our um, what, what would you say, our whānau that, are, that have been through the terrible times already are facing? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen since Gabrielle and the, and the Auckland floods in January, the um, soil moisture levels, in particular in the North Island, are much wetter than average for this time of the year, but they're also just wetter than normal, um, generally speaking. So we're seeing uh, one positive is that the last couple of months, since Gabriel, a lot of those places that were badly flooded have actually had some decent breathers and a chance to not, I wouldn't say totally dry out, but certainly going closer back to normal. So this is going to reverse 
that for some areas like Northland and Auckland and maybe some other parts around Nelson, we'll be seeing that getting wetter than average. So for, for the councils, it would be concerning for slips, um, probably more than flooding, although flooding certainly a problem out there. Slips are a real issue in some parts of the country with setups like this, like Nelson and Coromandel and Northland. They tend to get a lot of slips when it's warm and wet for days and days and days in a row. Fascinating, yeah, yeah, and, and it is. It's gnarly out there, and you just feel bad for. Well, you feel bad for the councils, but you feel bad for people's houses that are just in kind of these specific scenarios where they just keep getting. Um, they just kind of can't get a reprieve at the moment. It is devastating at this time of year, though, Phil. I'm certain you get, especially with your rural ties. I'm certain you get people asking you for the, the uh, outlook for duck shooting weekend. So, for all those good New Zealanders, say going shooting in the uh, Bex Omakar region of central Otago <laughs> this there? weekend. Who's there? <laughs> uh, oh, just some good Kiwis. Um, is there anything you could l- let them know about what sort of forecast they might be looking at? <laughs> um, well, actually, it's, it, in the southern part of the country, down around um, Omakar, it's not actually looking too rough this weekend. Um, partly mm. cloudy and... and um, Maybe a bit of fog around on Sunday morning. Um, might be some low cloud and fog on Sunday morning. Saturday morning doesn't look, doesn't look so foggy. So we've got on our other website, ruralweather.co.nz, we've got a fog and cloud forecaster, which I believe could be quite helpful for duck shooting. And also we've got rain and wind graphs as well for every location in the country. So this weekend as we go in like Saturday um, the North Island looks a little bit unsettled. It's, it's raining and they've got windy nor'easters here and there. The further down the country you go, the more settled it's likely to be. Phil, what's the, what's the weather predictions for the future, say the next five years in New Zealand? Are we looking at having wet, wetter summers and colder winters? What what are you predicting? You know, I, I think that uh, probably the most likely scenario for New Zealand is more chaos. Um, we're, we're in a very isolated part of the world. And as a weather forecaster, we spend a lot of time looking at weather maps. In fact, we spend a lot of time looking down on Earth rather than up at the sky because we're looking at all the different rain maps and wind maps. And what you start to notice is just how isolated New Zealand is. There's some photos or some images you can take on Google Earth that show basically an entire Pacific Ocean with just New Zealand in it. Um, and so what I mean by that is, you can have these big weather patterns going on where you're seeing Europe or North America in a trend, and we're just all over the place down here in the Southern Ocean, and you know um, we're out of the equator, but we're close enough to it as well to get the odd cyclone. So I think we're going to see more chaos. That usually means more rain, um, but if we do go into El Nino later this year, that will shift that high-pressure zone, the one I was telling you about east of us. We'll see more of that to the west of us, and that encourages more southwesters uh, very different to what we've had with La Nina for the last two or three years. Mm. But I always think New Zealand can buck the trend and we do our own thing. Um, you know, we might get a, a touch of what's going on in the tropics or Australia, but we often do just our own thing. Uh, very well explained, Phil. Even I've got my head around that. That's very awesome. Good. That's that's brilliant. Really enjoyed that, mate. Uh, weatherwatch.co.nz and ruralweather.co.nz. We'll be on there before duck shooting. Appreciate your time, Phil. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. I love that, Kempi. Honestly, so good. I'm, I'm thinking, yep, book the holidays. Uh, definitely during the, you know, the the spring and the autumns, because you know, obviously he's thinking that we're going to have That's a little it. bit of a little bit of chaos through those periods. Um, and I get the, the El Nino too with the with the westerlies that we've had. Like the boys, the boys. Uh, 
uh, the easterlies that we've had currently, the boys out west are real happy about that because the surf's pumping when you've got that. Offshore. Um, but he said if it swings around, well, let's hope that we have some subtropical cyclones coming down too because it'll pump the east, eastern swells up. Gee, we might have to figure out how we can move um, opening day of duck shooting to Sunday. I'll talk to my people uh, to get some of that fog. <laughs> Eight minutes away from nine. It's very good. Well done, Neeps. Thank you for that. Uh, we have got a couple of text messages I'm desperate to read, and then we'll catch up with Smithy after this. Right, Kempi, we've had a couple of important text messages come through. One from Doug. Hi, boys. I remember Brill Cream used to pinch some of the old mans in his old spice back <laughs> at five o'clock. Those were, in, were at the movies. The five o'clock movies were in trouble in those days. That's from Doug. And then we got a text here. And this is brilliant, and I've checked it out. It's true. Morning, lads. You can buy Brill Cream from the Chemist Ware- from Chemist Warehouse, ten dollars ninety nine. I'm heading there this afternoon. I'm going to get um, a tub of Brill Cream, which I, I would get it in down in the Hawke's Bay at the moment if I was at Smithy's because he'd have a couple of tubs of that in, uh, in his uh, in his bathroom and, I'm, and some Old Spice too because I'll tell you what, that does set him alight, doesn't it, Smithy? you you still got a, a tube of that little white. Remember that, ad, remember that ad that used to come on TV, Smithy, with the Old Spice and the man on the boat? Oh, just fantastic. Hey, and why don't you read, why don't you read the – I was just reading that text as you were reading it out, Louis. Hi, boys, I remember Brawl Cream – Used to pinch some of the old man's and his old spice. Those chicks at the five o'clock movies were. In, why didn't you read the whole text? I, I, to be honest, I didn't <laughs> quite understand it. You, See, I they don't go to the, the, mov- the pictures. We the used to call it the pictures. The pictures, absolutely. Yeah, that's the what pictures. they used to be called back in those days. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm going to brew cream up an old spice one day and come in here and you watch them run for the covers, mate. Like, <laughs> I tell you. Honestly, they'll be coming from everywhere. Lock the doors, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god father. Come on Don't stop it It's only Tuesday It's not Friday yet <laughs> You blokes have absolutely Did set lots of plot I've never seen Smithy giggle so much The, th- the brew cream Gets brought up And he's in hysterics <laughs> Only because my memory Is so good That's why <laughs> Oh, yeah. the flicks. We used to call them the flicks every now and then, too. Can be the flicks? Yep, that's right. 50 cents, you could go to the flicks and you could get in there and probably take a mate with you and pay for his ticket yeah. and then go to the fish and chips yeah. on the way home and have a feed. Unbelievable. You know what? 50 cents. You know what's worse? You know what's worse, Kempi? For me? What's that? I used to pay a shilling. That's how old I am. You did not. Well, you might have. Oh, Smithy. <laughs> Stay, stay around. It's uh, old timers exposed with Ian Smith up after nine o'clock. <laughs>